Hello, everybody, and welcome to Best Seat on the Couch, the podcast that can legally drink now. My name is Alex. I'm Iris. I'm Marcus. And I'm Michael. And folks, look how far we've come. We've been putting out episodes on this podcast for an entire year now. Hey, Woo! give ourselves a small round of applause. Let's do it. Yeah. We're going to CGI in some, or, or just, you know, after edit in some air holes. Yay! Right? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, though. If I can find some, I will absolutely do that. <laughs> and funny thing is, uh, don't pay attention to the number on the podcast uh, episode you're looking at right now, because you'll know exactly how many podcast episodes we skipped this year. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we did have, our numbering system is a little bit off, right? It's not like uh, it's exactly one-to-one. It's, it's true. We That's started true. with a zero. And of course, you know, the holidays and, you know. Listen, starting with a zero is completely rational. That's true. <laughs> There are some programmers here. Yes, like, there like are. Maybe maybe one. Two-thirds of one. <laughs> one and a half. I consider myself half. So in commemoration for our uh, yearly or our year-long anniversary, uh, I wanted to take us back to our roots, I suppose you could say. Uh, because for episode zero, if you haven't checked that out, uh, in our podcast feed, we didn't really talk about a show at all. We just talked about... Uh, why we think animation is uh, an important form of media. So uh, today's, we're going to just talk about a specific topic um, instead of a movie or a TV show. Uh, and that topic is music in animation. Uh, and so we're going to hopefully cover most of the facets that y'all are thinking about. Uh, when it comes to music and animation. But before we do that, I do want to go over a quick uh, and very brief history of uh, music in animated media. So, to the surprise of pretty much no one, the first, um, the first movie, I should say, a film that had music in, as a sort of soundtrack, a backing track, as long as uh, music that complemented what happened on screen was, of course, Steamboat Willie, which came out in 1928. Of course, Disney has their fingers in pretty much everything, uh, including this very first milestone. And uh, this movie coined the term uh, Mickey Mousing, which was a term I had no idea existed before. But what that is, is when uh, music synchronizes to specific animations that are happening on screen. So you can see that in a lot of other Disney films, uh, things like Looney Tunes, Fantasia. The most notable example to me is the Mickey Mouse uh, Wizarding short film. The one where he like, gets the wizard hat and has the uh, chairs dance around. That's in Fantasia. Beats. Oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah that's, 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 that's totally part of Fantasia. A... Scored to the Sorcerer's Apprentice by Dukas. Well, well, hang Ooh, on though, because right. I want to I want to get this clear. You're saying that like the idea of music syncing up to the action on screen was like so notable that there was a term invented for it. Because exactly, because to me that just seems like I mean I guess because you know like Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and you know, just, just broadly in general, and these are actually, we're getting into some of the things I wanted to bring up today, but that just seems like kind of a natural, like, way that music can express itself in animation. I mean, Disney did it first. That's apparently the reality. <laughs> 1928, here, so. I guess. Yep. So it's been a while, at least. Well, I mean, but, like, the, the idea itself is not uh, unique to animation in any way, right? I mean, plenty of... of uh, stage performances have sort of similar ideas, you know, punctuations in music, marking punctuations in, in physical action, you know, uh, musicals, opera, that sort of thing. Hmm, that is true. I do think it's like a little more visible and notable in animation because especially in the in the examples that you were listing out, like Tom and Jerry, Looney Tunes, which I also, I, I, I have a whole section on Tom and Jerry uh, for <laughs> this Jerry. episode. But um, I mean... I think it's the most deliberate out of all those examples of like between musicals, um, plays, and uh, animated shows that sort of syncing up with the music is most 
uh, recognizable in the animated media because you actually get to see like things dance along to the beat. Uh, you hear the cymbal crash as like somebody gets a bunch of drums dropped on them or like a giant rock falls on someone. So yeah, I think it's just like the most notable. And like you said, Marcus, uh, Disney did it first, so it's of course immortalized after them. I think also one thing that, at least I, if I recall, I, I watched Steamboat Willie like a long time ago, but something that perhaps set it apart from something like a live action musical or indeed any kind of like, in those days it would be silent films. But like in it, it some like there were definitely moments in Steamboat Willie where it wasn't just, um, I don't know his name. Is it Willie? It's, I guess it's Mickey Mouse. But it's not <laughs> just it Mickey Mouse, like, you know, singing slash moving to the music. It's like the entire screen, right? Like the boat is mm. like moving along with the mu- music, like the trees in the background are swaying with the music. So like it's animation at least gives them the freedom to kind of pull it, put, like go hard with the sort of music animation thing, right? It's really hard to, kind of control all of those elements in a live action setting. And I think that at that point, it really hadn't been done before in terms of like everything in the environment is syncing up with the music. Also worth noting is that there's some, some strategies, at least in more modern day kind of animated films where they will literally score the music first and then force the animators to animate according to the music, which mm-hmm. Feel, that, that sounds terrible, honestly. Like I, I do not envy that position at all. But as far as the kind of like the origin of the term Mickey Mousing, there's definitely some credence to like the the production that has to go into putting something to get together like that, which is probably very difficult and a very skilled kind of thing to do for professional animators. Well, it seems to me to be kind of analogous to the way that you will record dialogue. And then have animators, uh, you know, lip sync the the characters to the actors rather than vice versa. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, when you're when you're trying to get everything so coordinated like that, so like like precisely choreographed. I don't really see how you could do it the other way around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think we we did touch about on this about in the the first episode we sent out episode zero of like the control that Mm -hmm. animation has as a medium. It's uh, a lot more controlled than anything else because there's so much like pre and post production that goes into making a single animated production that allows for this creativity, especially the syncing up of this music. But uh, continuing on our journey through the history of music and animation, did you all know that, Dumbo was the first uh, example of uh, vocal processing in a movie, like a, just a movie. What do you mean by vocal processing? Yeah, elaborate on that, uh, please. So it had the predecessor of the vocoder um, oh. that was first huh. used in that movie to get like that really like tinny sound in some of the vocals, which um, I... I haven't watched Dumbo in a really long time, so I'm going to have to revisit that. But apparently it was the very first like vocal processing editing that happened in a sort of like musical setting in, in film. And it's actually kind of Which... fascinating. Like I just really briefly sort of looked it up. Google tells mm-hmm. me, cursory Google tells me that the vocoder was air quote invented in 1938. Dumbo came out in 1941, so that was like a cutting-edge technology at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They spared no expense. (laughs) Uh, And uh, also, moving along the the history books, uh, Pinocchio was the first animated film to win the Academy Awards for uh, Best Music, both score and original song. Original song, of course, being When You Wish Upon a Star. And uh, just going down the list of uh, Academy Awards for uh, best score in an animated movies, which animated movies have won these, you'll find no surprise that all of them are Disney slash Disney derivatives. They are uh, Falling Pinocchio, Aladdin, The Lion King, Pocahontas, uh, which surprised me because I, I don't remember pocahontas like at all 
Yeah, I was about to say, like, does that does that just have around music the riverbend? <laughs> what about the one where they dig gold? <laughs> <laughs> but it's not a specific song. It's like the best score. So just like the huh? I mean, Colors I guess of the like Wind to... was kind of a banger, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it has it has a it has bangers. It's a fire soundtrack, and also like I think the Academy Awards are as much an indication of perhaps like a lack of competition, if you want to look mm-hmm. at it that way. That's I do awesome. think you are selling, Mu- uh, not Mulan, uh, Pocahontas short. <laughs> well, I yeah, like I said, I haven't watched it in a long, long time. But uh, other ones, uh, there's only two other animated movies that have won this distinction, and those are uh, Up, which, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the the music, the, the first 10 minutes <laughs> makes me cry every time. Minutes, yeah. I'm crying right uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the most recent winner of the Academy Awards for Best Soundtrack, uh, of course, is Soul, which is a movie yeah. all about music, uh, which I still haven't watched, and I need to get on that. Great movie. Yeah, so uh, those, that is my brief history into the uh, annals of animation and music. Hopefully y'all learned a little something new during yeah. that uh, that take. But uh, I did want to continue on our conversation by asking everyone here uh, if you can think about uh, all the diff- different animated movies and shows you've watched and the soundtracks in them, uh, what would be a really standout piece of animation and music? Well, like, What's your favorite music soundtrack and animation? And uh, why is that? And uh, I can... I can submit mine first because I don't want anyone to steal it. Um, my favorite, absolute favorite example of music in animation and having where the two go hand in hand is the Tom and Jerry episode with Tom playing the piano in front of like the the big orchestra. Oh, of course, the, yes, okay. The entire episode is uh, Tom playing this like eleven minute long piece, and he like fights Jerry on the piano, and both of them like play different keys, and that corresponds to the entire song, and it ends with Tom having to like play the last stanza of the song like five times again over and over because Jerry won't stop playing, but. I just I, I used to love watching Tom and Jerry as a kid, and that just has solidified itself in my memory as a, one of the best pieces of animation and music. But uh, what about the rest of y'all? What standout pieces of music and animation do you all remember? So I need to... I, I do have my favorite one, and I, I think I'm kind of cheating because it's kind of recent, but... Um... I want to mention two two other specific moments. One was actually a fairly similar memory to the Tom and Jerry one, which was a Looney Tunes one where Bugs Bunny has to play the Barber of Seville, <laughs> or like he conducts it, I think, or something. Um, oh that, yeah, that was just hilarious. I don't know why it was so funny, but it was hilarious. Wait, is this the um, one with like the the piano and like the dynamite rigged to it? Because that's the Looney Tunes thing I was going to bring up. I I can't I can't recall, but I just remember he's like doing the stuff anyway. Um, that's one thing I wanted to mention. The other one, which is kind of like out of left field because it's, it's, it, it like, it's, it's not part of an actual like animated series or franchise or whatever. Um, I think I've told y'all about this at some point, but it's this, um, I don't, I don't know where it appeared, but it was like a DVD set that my dad had and it was called Animusic. Um, mm. and basically the premise was that each video was like the like it's i it, it it's like an animation of something the something is making a song but it's like all mechanical or like using like energy there's no people in it and so it like has this very weird like tech demo feel where it feels like the like whoever was animating was like what what the hell crazy shit that can we have in this video um so for example like one of the uh, one of the most famous pieces from the anime music one and two is a a piece called pipe dream and there's a sequel in the second one which is just a bunch of marbles 
being shot out of cannons, hitting strings, drums. Oh, I've seen, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's like it's like one of those things where it's like you you know what it is, but you don't know what it is. It's like um, the Marvel machine. Sequel. I love the sequel. that like keeps making the rounds on. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. It, it completely inspired the entire Marvel Machine project. I'm a big follower of that thing, by the way. Um, and like uh, that kind of stuff. There's another example where like um, I think they're using light to convey sound so they have this giant stage and they have these like giant sort of like radiation producers and they like shoot at each other and it makes like vibrating sounds and they do that over and over again and you could tell that like the distance between them is how it determines the pitch of the note anyway i think that's really cool if anyone has seen it they're all on youtube um if anyone hasn't seen that y'all should watch it because i think it's it's fucking banger all the music is also great (laughs) but the one that i wanted to mention is still my favorite moment is of course Coco because I just can't I can't mm-hmm. let it go. Uh, mm-hmm. Which is a don't be- make me cry, my. I know it's a beautiful marriage of mu- of the music integrating with the narrative, right? I think that like Disney has always been good at making good music, but I think that sometimes the music kind of feels like it's there because it's music, whereas in Coco the music was like an integral part of the story. It had a twist to it that recontextualized the entire, not only the movie, but the song itself of Remember Me. Like, it had three interpretations that basically lasted throughout the entire movie. Um, and it's so cool the way that they twisted uh, the meaning of the song itself uh, by the end. Um, and I just, I can't let go. It's my favorite thing ever, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, that's... Uh... You had three examples. I have like three examples, right? Like there's so much to talk about here. Um, So I actually kind of, the take I took on this, uh, you know, when trying to decide what I wanted to at least, you know, name drop, if not have the time to go into depth about all of them. uh, I actually looked back at our our list of episodes that we've done in the last year and thinking, you know, which of these uh, properties kind of stands out to me the most as far as music goes. Um, That was a good idea, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, You know, for those of you listening at home, I sort of had a, 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 this idea of kind of for this episode, instead of doing like music, talking about sort of like doing a revisit of some of our older topics. And this is how I get to do both at the same time. (laughs) Uh, But it will come as probably no surprise to anyone who knows me that top of the list is Steven Universe, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Which, and there's sort of there's sort of I think a theme that we're 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 circling around a little bit, which I'll I'll uh, just kind of mention is you know the different ways that music can be used as part of you know vis- you know the storytelling, right? Uh, how you can have music as part of uh, you know animated media be sort of very very stage esque, very operatic, very musical theater esque, where storytelling is done, you know, through song and it's all like got this weird kind of heightened reality, like quasi-diegesis, uh, you know, thing going on. And then you can very much have sort of the opposite of music as, like, not part of the actual story per se, but part of this, part of the vehicle, part of the conveyance, part of the message. And that would be more things a lot like, um, like the first 10 minutes of Up, for example. Uh, and Steven Universe, of course, absolutely... Uh, falls into the the first of those two categories. I mean, there's a lot of storytelling uh, and story sort of advancement, advancement of kind of arcs and characters and stuff done through music. Uh, but it's also it's 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 presented so I guess uh, not casually, but also not incredibly super emphasized. You know, if you're if you're going to see a musical on Broadway, if you're going to see like Wicked or something, and when the song starts, like blam in your face you know this is we are doing song now and what i love about steven universe is that so much of the the musical moments are just kind of woven into the narrative in a way that makes sense you know steven is a musical person uh the the gems all kind of have this innate musicality to them no one really like talks too much about them or marks too much about the songs and like totally it's requires some kind of suspension of disbelief that you know people are going to just break out in song at random moments but it's less so for the way that it's presented um, and sort of the, the flip side of that coin, right? Music as, as this storytelling, but not perhaps like in the, the, the universe is I just want to shout out, you know, Studio Ghibli as a whole. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was, I was reading something, uh, I was reading an article recently about, um, 
oh, and I'm going to forget the term. I, I think that it was called Ma, the, the idea of sort of empty space in a movie, in a narrative, to Ooh. allow the audience to, you know, breathe and process and catch up, you know, just have moments in, uh, in a story where nothing's happening at all. And as an example, think of Spirited Away when um, she's on that train. And it's just kind of, they're all sitting there and it's, there's the water out to the horizon and it's just sort of sort of quiet. Like moments like that, I think. Um, music is a great way to allow a story to breathe and allow a story to, you know, have its emotional. It's, it's a, music is a language, right? And as much as the story is being told through, you know, the literal events and dialogue and so forth it's also being told through the language of the emotion the language of the expression that it's 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 pulling together Mm -hmm. yeah and building slightly off of your point iris i I totally agree with what you say uh, as uh, music being a narrative tool it also helps set like the scene for a lot of uh, moments in whatever uh, show or film you're watching i mean just like uh, going back to another a film we've talked about earlier, Kung Fu Panda. I mean, anytime <laughs> you hear uh, Uguay's theme, you know kind of what to expect. You're like, oh man, we're going to get dropped like some serious wisdom right now. Um, Uguay's theme but yeah, plays, I... Uguay, my time has come. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but um, I, I feel like it is such an integral part of like the setting the scene and uh, and also like makes the audience expect things that they might not be exactly aware of that and how seamlessly it kind of fits into an overall narrative structure is something that i feel like happens not only in animated films but also in most other films as well we just see it most often in these sort of animated settings oops uh something i'd love also to uh kind of just circle back to point out a little bit is um, what you were talking about earlier, Michael, with his discussion of sort of uh, synchronization of, you know, what's happening visually in, in uh, animated media with the music. And it's, you know, particularly like used and like, like all over the place by uh, things like Looney Tunes, Tom and Jerry stuff that does sort of this, this uh, physical humor or slapstick humor, um, you know, using music as a tool to accompany it, but even just in a general sense, kind of this idea that animation allows you, the, 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 the medium allows you to so kind of control on a fine scale kind of how the music is going to interact and interplay and bounce off of what's happening visually and what's happening narratively, I think is, is I mean, really fascinating because... Part of this, right? I mean, a lot of the things that we're talking about here are just discussions of like music in, you know, film and TV in general. And one of the things that when I was, uh, you know, preparing for this episode, I was thinking was what, you know, what parts of this discussion are unique to animation as a media, right? What parts of this distinguishes this as a conversation about music in animation versus music in film, you know, music in cinema? Um, and I definitely think that's, you know, an aspect of it, but I'm, I'm curious what the rest of y'all might think. I will, I will hop on that because thanks to this lovely master's thesis that I found Googling, uh, (laughs) I have no idea who wrote this. Uh, God bless you, whoever you came from. I think it was from San Francisco, uh, state university, but SFSU. Anyways, um, this guy contextualized he started the essay off basically by saying that uh both animation and music are languages and iris you would use the terminology that music is a language and i think that's you know more or less kind of an established thing you know people you can use music to convey you know emotions otherwise that you wouldn't be able to uh or or you could do differently um in addition to you know putting it over a backdrop or a setting or a narrative uh, but this guy's argument was that animation is done is literally the exact same thing. Um, obviously, it's not you know an, uh, an audio sensory kind of thing, but in the same way, you can use animation to enhance a setting, enhance a narrative. You know, um, put together 
a, a new twist on something that you're trying to explain. And the way that the union of those two um, comes together is something that's he 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 was particularly he or she was particularly fascinated uh, about in in the essay they really didn't they didn't have an answer per se but they wanted to really kind of get to the meat of why you could have two very strong emotion eliciting kind of media and how they interact together to become even more than the sum of their parts um and I obviously like my musical theater background is close to nothing. So most of where I draw a lot of a lot of what what, you know, the kind of interest in music that I have with animation actually comes from video games. You know, you know, eye rolls or whatever, because I play a lot of video games. Mm. But, you know, no, absolutely not. Video games are art. You know, music and video games is art. Right, right. And if I had my way, we'd be discussing video games on this podcast. But (laughs) thankfully, I don't. In any case, uh. You know, with games that really are, they, they emphasize their setting just as much as their narrative. With games that are building a world, per se, you know, Witcher, Newer Deus Exes, you know, Destiny is the one that I play a lot. All of these games really try and build worlds that you, the you know, the player, have really never seen. You know, Deus Ex, for example, in the future. Destiny, you know, space opera, kind of sci-fi, futuristic magic stuff. It's all... The music comes together and puts that extra oomph on it. And I think you can find a lot of examples of that in animated uh, movies as well. Uh, we're not necessarily because, you know, not all animated movies show new worlds or new settings or anything but the music can come and really bring life to a setting that you wouldn't otherwise just be able to do even if you animated it as beautifully as you know studio ghibli does for example right like castle in the sky is a good example that we had discussed relatively recently where you know you have something that is alien to the viewer not something that the viewer would have known but to see but when it first comes out of the clouds and when they first, you know, are getting to that point where they're moving from that, you know, family kind of pirate scene to getting on the castle in the sky, the music throughout that entire kind of segue mm-hmm. is so critical to instilling that sense of wonder and that sense of like technological awe that exists in that very moment. Um, and, you know, that's just one of many, many examples I'm sure we can all kind of pitching together about why those kind that union that i was speaking about is so so critical to the enjoyment of the viewer uh when they see these things yeah absolutely i think that's a that's a really great way to to frame the conversation and if uh just to to pick up on another recent example actually our very previous episode if uh you listeners are uh going sequentially is over the garden wall i'm the highway man I'm the <laughs> I make ends meet. It's. I think I would. I think you would all agree, and you know, tell me if you don't. I think that you would all agree that the music in Over the Garden Wall is not, you know, a critical part of the narrative. It is not necessary for the story to exist in the way that it does. But I also think you would all agree if I say that over the garden wall without the the musical stylings in it would be a drastically drastically different experience you know oh, just definitely. as far as tone as far as mood as far as like the i mean i i hesitate to say you know the life in it uh because you know the, it's the it's a, vibe the vibe there we go <laughs> <laughs> but it's you know because just as an example right the the uh the school teacher and how you know like we talked about it recently over the garden wall is sort of built on these little absurdities, right? This, uh, just doing whatever they want and not having to explain anything. And, you know, the, the, the world that they conjure out of that. And the school teacher, super bizarre, super strange, like this whole thing, she's teaching, you know, animals in a little cabin in the woods and Right, there's all sorts of nonsense going on there. But imagine how different it would be if they tried to communicate everything without the music there, without those songs, without letting her start singing about her, you know, her long lost lover to teach the the kids the alphabet. 
you know, without uh, potatoes and molasses to sort of signify this kind of shift of, of uh, levity versus, you know, serious education, right? It's just, it, <laughs> it, it would feel hollow kind of without those experiences. It'll, you know, the music as a vehicle allows the world to have its absurdity, to have its energy, if you will, but without, I'll say, forcing the issue as it would be if you tried to do that through just traditional narrative only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I, I'm loving how this conversation is turning out because this kind of leads into something that I wanted to talk about because uh, what I'm about to talk about is music's role in adaptation because what you've been saying, Iris and Marcus, of how like music and visuals are two languages that both kind of work in tandem to elevate uh, whatever they create to be more than the sum of their parts. This happens when a lot of the times in animation uh, or adaptations of manga to anime, because of course in manga, you're only getting the visuals. And then once they put that into an anime, then you get the soundtrack and the voice acting and all the sound effects. And you were saying, Iris, can you imagine uh, Over the Garden Wall without any uh, music? I don't, I can't imagine that because imagine My Hero Academia without the uh, super hype song that yeah. plays when like, All Might fights uh, Nomu at the very beginning. Or, That's exactly, I, or exactly imagine Demon Slayer without that soundtrack. Yeah. Without the yeah. music, yeah, when he like first the unlocks like the fire sword, shit. exactly like that doing the mm-hmm. spin move and uh-huh. holy shit, yeah. And so we can, I can see this like happening in front of my very eyes every time I like read a manga and then wait for the anime adaptation. I mean, One Piece, which I had a whole episode on, I love the manga. It's so good. The music in the anime, even though the anime itself is sometimes trashed here, <laughs> um, the music, the music of the anime just sends me back to like early days watching Toonami uh, and embodies like the sense of adventure that the One Piece manga has. And we are going to eventually talk about um, a, a anime called Your Lie in April that's all about music, but that was also a manga. So it was a manga about like making music without any music, which obvious for obvious reasons didn't fully have its yeah, like all the selling the manga points. Didn't have any music in it. What were they thinking? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a speaker on the back of the car. <laughs> <laughs> but you'll, you'll be able to see like how they, they address this, like, glaring problem in the anime when we eventually get to watch it but yeah i just it's just something to think about because this whole question on would this show be as good without music we kind of have a plenty of examples of that in this like adaptation sphere and we're we're a little bit on a roll of just kind of bringing up examples to to bandy about and so i'm going to to do (laughs) one more you know, going way back to our roots, our episode one, Avatar The Last Airbender. Damn it, I was going to mention something from there, too. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I don't have a specific thing I want to bring up, okay. but, like, it's the same thing of, like, n- at no point is the music in Avatar required to tell the story that they wanted to. But imagine just, like, like just think of how much... Okay, well, ho- hold up, hold up for a second. I feel like The Last Agni Kai is not at all the same scene without the music that plays through it. <laughs> no, it's absolutely not, and that's what I'm saying. It's not the same scene, but you could tell the story without it. You absolutely could. I'm I mean, not even sure you could. Oh, that, that, that one, that one, like, like literally, I'm, I'm talking about like in a very literal sense and a very, you know, you right, could have right, all right. the same animation, all the same kind of Zuko and Azula doing their, their, their sibling rivalry throwdown. Uh, it, it all could happen without the music. And yet what I was going to say was, especially with Avatar for us, because that was, I think for many of us, if not all of us, such a foundational formational experience when we watched that, that music is just so at least for me, it's burned into my brain. I mean, hearing the 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 Avatar theme, um, or not the Avatar theme, but the one that uh, whenever he goes into the Avatar state that that plays, I don't yeah. know what the name is called. I get chills. You know the the Avatar's love, which is the you know the kind of the kalimba, very soft. Uh, still cry, and the last Agni Kai, of course. Like people, people to this day. T- 
talk about how impactful that scene is. And that is because they made the choice to pull back from the very, uh, with the sound design, to pull back from the very direct, you know, the sounds of fire and grunting and yelling and the drum beats and the fast paced and make it like kind of this mournful, wailing, you know, uh, 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 soliloquy of a, of a song. You know, it's just so much of the character of it. The emotional storytelling is is inextricably bound with the music. I also want to mention one other thing from After Less Surrender because I have to. And it actually comes into the topic. It's on the topic list. We haven't talked about it yet. It's about uh, diegesis versus non-diegesis. Oh. Which, if you, if you, just a reminder for the audience, uh, the term diegetic basically means like in world. So if music is diegetic, that means that the characters in the actual show or movie or what are actually playing it and we as a viewer are listening to it. Whereas non-diegetic means not in the world. So it's like a soundtrack or, you know, something on top of everything. And specifically, I wanted to mention the firebender theme, which is like this very fast-paced, lots of drums, lots of like chanting in the background. And then they have this like really sick... I think it's like a sitar. I'm not sure what it is, but it's like does this crazy riff over and over again. And, you know, they play it whenever the firebenders are doing stuff like they play it during um, Zuko and uh, Admiral Zhao's first fight in episode two or episode three or whatever. And they play it all throughout the show. And then when they finally meet the firebending masters, it's diegetic. The people of the Sun Tribe are actually playing it in the world. (laughs) And when I when I watched that episode, I was like. Oh shit! It all makes sense. Of course, <laughs> of course, they would make this music. Um, yeah. Anyway. Well, and on the topic of Avatar and diegetic music, I can't believe I was about to skip over this. Let's talk about leaves from the vine. Oh my god! I oh, I thought you were going like... to say secret tunnel. I thought Michael was going to talk about oh, secret shit. tunnel. I was like, I mean, like, it's so good. I mean, and like, there's not a whole lot that we're going to say about these that you know is is strikingly different from the things we've already said but like at least i think the the example of avatar is so much like closer to home than a lot of these things i can't imagine avatar without secret tunnel i can't imagine avatar without leaves from the vine and you know the way that these these bring together sort of the the diegesis and the not the way these this brings together sort of the 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 serious and the light-hearted you know just the 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 quality of the character of these shows, I think is so, so dependent on music as a medium. I think you just brought up your own counterpoint. I think for the episode to Cave of Two Lovers, if they didn't sing that shit, they would have all died in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true, yeah. Anyway. I guess that is true. Uh, But on the topic of um, diegetic and uh, non-diegetic music in in these... uh, animated films I, I wanted to get uh get y'all's opinions on when like if you can throw your mind back to of all the animated movies you've been able to watch what were the times that the music didn't really work because for me it's the point when uh there's been a lot of like non-diegetic music in a movie i'm looking at you horton here's a who <laughs> um, slash slash zootopia um, when when there's like all this like non-diegetic music and like the soundtracks uh and then they always i don't know what's the deal with like kids movies uh these days but they always have to end with a like a song where they just like randomly burst out into song when this wasn't a musical uh, up until this point, uh, until like the last five minutes of the movie happens in Horton's Here's Here's a Who. It kind of happens in Zootopia, although that happens like during the the ending credits. Right. That's that's Shakira. You have to forgive Shakira (laughs) being a gazelle. (laughs) I mean, after all, her hips do not lie. I I think uh, part of it to me definitely seems like studio executives trying to replicate Let It Go. And Frozen, <laughs> right? Because, yeah. like, oh. that song, I mean, like, talk about how, how music is an important part of storytelling. Like, not even Frozen the movie, just the song Let It Go. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could not get away from it. It was everywhere. And part of that was, you know, it's a stunning performance and it's great writing. But just, like, the 
it speaks volumes that that is the single best remembered part of that movie and not, you know, the rest of the, admittedly, like, very good movie. Let It Go is is what, like, Frozen's about, you know? Like, we remember music. Music sticks with us. Music speaks to, a like, a, a, a deeper part than I think a lot of stories could do without it, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, and also just to bookend this point, uh, also if you can think of any moments uh, where the music did not match the scene, where these like two languages clashed, uh, throw them out there. Because I, I, I'll throw one out there where uh, I, I don't know if we're ever going to talk about Evangelion because, uh, for one, I don't think it's uh, – it, it, don't, don't get me wrong, it's iconic – it's just also extremely boring to watch <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, it's also really, like, really troubling and, like, goes into these weird, deep, dark places that... Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I, I tried once. I couldn't do it. <laughs> um, but there's this moment in the uh, last movie of Evangelion, which, like, caps the whole story off, where basically the world is, like, ending. Everyone is dying. And this uplifting, happy song starts playing of this like this woman singing in this like peppy German pop song as like everybody starts dying around them. Um, that was like one of the most it, it made my stomach turn just to kind of experience that whole whole scene. But I, I do think it worked well in just to like throw me off uh it was doing what it was supposed to do but can you think of any other examples where the soundtrack and the the scene itself like clashed and didn't work or maybe it did work in your estimation well i mean just really quickly to follow up on that point i think that you know having a dissonance between the story being told you know visually or the story being told narratively and the story being told emotionally with music that is like a a good tool to use in a lot of storytelling. I mean, that can work wonders for for certain scenes. Kind of this 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 contrast, if you will, this juxtaposition between music suggesting that you feel one thing and events in the story suggesting that you feel another, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, oh, even as you say, right? Like in the moment, it was jarring. It was disturbing, even. But it it sounds like to me, at least knowing what little I do about Evangelion, that it was supposed to be jarring and disturbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. I'm having a hard time remembering anything like this because I feel like, and maybe this is speaks to a different point. I feel like when the music is quote unquote bad or like it doesn't work, it just means that I don't remember it. Like I, I can't think of, at least on top of my head, any moments that like significantly stood out to me as being like, what the fuck was that? Because <laughs> even that is like as impactful to me as like, hearing good music so it's like I, i'm trying to i can't it's like there's this like block in my memory that i can't think of because it just doesn't stick because it doesn't work i guess i don't know well i think part of that is that you know a lot of times at least in 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 you know film tv shows animation music is very rarely sort of the forefront of what is supposed to be at your attention it's very rarely the top layer of the storytelling you know it's more yeah. of a it's a it's a subconscious thing or foundational or sort of you know mm-hmm. it's the emotional uh content that you know the 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 actual like literal events of the story are built upon and if it's mediocre or like i don't know just just passable uh not really anything remarkable then yeah i think it makes perfect sense that we don't remember it you know i also think you know especially especially now as compared to, I don't know, maybe 50 years ago when, when you know, things like Dumbo and or like more than 50 years ago, but however many decades ago, now I feel like there's such a well-established sort of like convention of uh, how m- music is used in, you know, like Hollywood movies, in TV shows, right? I mean, we talk about literally, you know, it's like superhero music in air quotes, you know, like action movie music in air quotes. They become sort of genres unto themselves, and at a certain point, you know, when a lot of these, you know, properties have like very similar kind of musical accompaniment, it just blurs together. I mean, I suppose the only 
the only like possible in that I think I have to this is like Shrek is an example of a movie that didn't have an original <laughs> score, right? It pulled music from popular culture. It, it and, does have an original score, though. Oh, I guess it has an original score. But it pulled music from popular culture, and to Shrek's credit, you know, because we discussed this during that episode, did it very well, right? Like, that was a very good example of how they took music that was otherwise, like, kind of a meme and turned it into something that, you know, <laughs> elicited a truly strong emotional reaction that, you know, A, spoke to what Shrek or whatever character in the movie was feeling, and B, spoke to what we as the viewer were supposed to be, like, you know, empathizing or, you know, trying to kind of align our emotional state with that of the character on the screen. So I think possibly a movie that, you know, did that same thing, but did it worse than Shrek would be a good example of that, because then it would be feeling like you're pulling music out from, you know, out of, you know, something that is not part of the movie as a whole, and trying to kind of fit it in to where the the movie kind of tries to spin it, and it just doesn't work. Shark so, Tale. Oh my god! <laughs> Shark I found tale. it. I don't oh remember enough about Shark Tale's music to that is that. my next episode. <laughs> oh my god! Haven't we been punished enough? <laughs> oh no! I was. I was you don't want to work along... at the car wash, Iris. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of um, Sing. Has anybody watched Sing? I haven't, but I, haven't. I think it's is that DreamWorks? No, no that's Illumination, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, because... I didn't watch it. I watched the trailer like seven times in a row oh, one time because Tara Egerton's voice, after all the processing, is a plus. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't draw me in. You know, it didn't seem. It, I mean, like it, it seems would be all like that good. It seems like the the this uh, decade's Shrek because it has like a bunch of pop songs that are sung, I guess, diegetically because they're competing, but it also seems to fit that like weird, like subpar zone where it doesn't quite like hit. How dare all you the call notes that Shrek, Shrek subpar? <laughs> Oh, I wasn't talking about Shrek being so far, but well, like, I mean, how dare you compare Sing to Shrek? <laughs> oh, that's true. I'm sorry. Know. That was my fault. I mean, it feels so hard to like weave Shrek into this conversation because Shrek is an entity yeah. unto itself. Shrek is right? love. like it's, it's both very serious and very not serious at the same. Not very serious. It is very not serious, but at times it wants you to take it really seriously, and I'm not really sure why that works. But I think. <laughs> The, re- the reason that that works is the same reason that, like, Smash Mouth and the monkeys and shit works, you know? Because most of the time you could just be like, oh, ha-ha, I know that song. Funny that they're playing here. Let's have a, you know, let's, let's, let's have a good time. And then whatever compels you to be able to, like, pause and be like, oh, shit, this is really sad, also makes the sad music work. The Digimon movie! Oh, hey, wait, has anyone, has, who here has seen the Digimon movie? Time. I, I have, have not Michael. seen this movie. What on oh earth? my god. The Digi-Rap. Oh my <laughs> god. Well, hold on, because I know about the Poke-Rap, right? Like, I've heard of the Poke-Rap. Oh my god. We could, we could spend, like, another 30 minutes just <laughs> discussing the Poke-Rap. Oh my Because god. that was a real trip. To... Have you listened to the Poke-Rap in languages other than English? Where? No, <laughs> how, it sounds well, nothing like the English one. Well, I mean that's not a surprise, right? Like, like rap is such a a, a rhythm based thing. If you've got different like cadences, different names for things, is it still like the mom rap cadence, Michael? <laughs> no. So, it's it's you, you, okay. You should just listen to it. It is nothing alike. I'm not even saying that. Like, you know, it. They didn't like when in, when we translated it for English. They were just like, all right. Because, okay, here's the thing. The original Poke Rap in Japanese is like, it's like a, it's like, it sounds like a kid's song, right? They're quote unquote rapping because they're not actually singing it, but it sounds like a kid's song. And then when we translated it into English, they were like, all right, actual rap now. (laughs) And like, actually, same (laughs) thing happened with the theme song itself. The theme song was like, you know, like an actual anime scene song. And then they made it into like a actual like pop hit. And it's like. Which, to, to be fair, I'm not complaining, because the Pokemon theme oh, song is of fucking course banger. Not. Like, it's a fucking rock song in English, right? But in Japanese, it's like an anime song. Um, anyway. Well, hold on. We, we got a little sidetracked here. You were saying about the Digimon movie. Yes. Or the okay, Digi-rap. Yeah. So, first of all, in the Digimon movie, they play songs 
Oh, fuck. Who is... Uh, it doesn't matter what you say here, because neither Marcus nor I, nor I'm guessing most of our viewers will have any idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I'm just well, you, you don't know our viewers. <laughs> my, my, uh, I do actually know our viewers. <laughs> actually, no, no, no. Let me put this out there very briefly. If there's anyone listening to this and you do not know me personally, please reach out. I would love to get to know you. <laughs> what was that email again, Iris? Uh, you know, I feel like I'd be lying if I said I'd check that email anytime recently, but... <laughs> Best seed, best seat podcast at gmail.com is where you can get in touch Wait, with us. Wait, wasn't it best seat pod? No, it's best seat no. podcast. No, Michael, it's no. Best seat podcast. Are you sure? Anyway. <laughs> uh, yes. yes, I'm very sure. Okay, okay, okay. Um, What the fuck was I saying? Right. Who sings the song, the one week since you left me uh, thing? Oh. Oh, I, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I don't yeah. know the name of the um, song. Um, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> that's in the movie for no reason. And also the digi-rap. The, the digi-rap is on God, like, one of the finest piece of absurdist media you will ever <laughs> watch slash listen to. It's at the beginning of the movie. And, like, I it's, it's so hard to describe. Basically, this guy is rapping, and he, every verb that he uses in the song starts with digi right so it's like let's digi rap and do the digi thing we're gonna digi evolve into that and thing and it's like <laughs> that's what cancerous <laughs> like oh my god what if you oh. listen to it by itself without the context of the movie it's honestly kind of a banger but it's at the beginning of this anime digimon movie that is also freaking ridiculous where people turn into babies we need to talk uh, about that film at some point. Yeah, I'm going to add that to our watch queue. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to really make me watch the Digimon movie? Oh, Marcus, it's... it's it's Oh, God. There's I'm a whole history on that movie oh. that we cannot get into oh, right no. now. I'm an adult. But... You're going to make a grown man watch the fucking Digimon movie? <laughs> I quote that to my brother constantly. <laughs> and... um, but I, I did want to touch on one more topic that uh, kind of just popped into my head right now. But recently, we've been seeing a, a rise in uh, a different kind of animated uh, form of media in relation to music. That is the animated music video. Have you guys noticed that there's so many like animated music videos from famous or contemporarily famous uh, artists like coming out right now? I think uh, Billy... Eilish, Billy Eilish, one of those is correct. Eilish. It's Eilish, yeah. yeah. I, I don't listen to pop, and even I know that. But, <laughs> but uh, I mean, like, I just looked up animated music videos on YouTube, and there's a whole list. Like, I think The Weeknd has one, um, but it's, like, become a resurgence. There's a new, uh, I guess, a an animated music renaissance. Also, branching off of that, did you ever watch AMVs when you were? I was just about to kid? say, yeah, no. This this sounds like uh, we're sort of talking about AMVs here. Which yeah, we're not. Um, my Iris, thing. do you want to describe? It, well, no, it was really not my scene. But like, I, 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 you, I, I knew what they were, you know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's just been this weird resurgence of it, and I, I just wanted to highlight that because I, I did not want it to go unnoticed. Has there really though? But like, I mean, maybe, maybe you're more cued, you know, keyed into the to noticing these things than I am, but I don't, I don't feel like I've, I've seen a particular surge. I think it, it overall depends on the artist. Like, I don't know if any of you guys know who Kid Cudi is, but Day and Night was one of those music videos where he, it was basically filmed in live action, but he threw all these fucking filters over it and like made it trippy and animated and shit. And like, that was apparently like avant-garde for like the kind of animated <laughs> music video or whatever. Like, Depending on the artist where, you know, that kind of expression is more in tune with their character and their music, I suppose. Like, I can see it being more <laughs> along their alley. Obviously, I do listen to a lot of music where the music videos all kind of look the same and they're not very <laughs> interesting whatsoever or, you know, have a lot of substance. So, like, you you kind of have to weed out the shit to get to the good stuff, I suppose, when it comes to... Mm, I 
animated. I, I just want to highlight Marcus's uh, comment because the uh, the YouTube video that we're go- I'm going to tell you all to watch is a music video from a famous music uh, artist that I think this is their only animated music video, and it came out of completely left field. So I just want you guys to chew on that while while we finish up this <laughs> episode. Yeah, I mean, I guess my 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 very short take on this is that. To me, it doesn't seem like, you know, a, a, an artist putting out a music video that's animated is like a huge event or anything like that. I mean, I think some, if the if the if the mood you're trying to evoke, because a music video is not really so much a narrative in the way that most of our normal fare is, right? Like it can have a narrative in it, but that's not the main point. The main point is the music. And for a lot of songs, if the mood or the emotion or the, 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 uh, the vibe that you're trying to evoke is better accompanied by you know, visual storytelling that's more about, you know, shapes and colors than it is about, you know, like, people and people, places and yeah. dancing. Like, animation just seems like kind of the natural direction to go with that. I would like to uh, also mention uh, one animated music video that, at least, I don't know, okay, does anyone here actually listen to Hatsune Miku? <laughs> no. Um, I'm not that much of a weeb much. Yeah, I'm not, yeah, not I, I don't. I don't either. FYI. Um, <laughs> okay. But <laughs> if you I feel say like, so. yeah, at least to the wider audience, not to the wider audience, but the video game community that doesn't know who Hatsune Miku is. Um, I can't, was this? Yeah, this was 2018. Um, World's 2018 for League of Legends. They, they released their music video called Pop Stars, which stars four members of the actual game League of Legends as pop stars as a band called kda and the song is about them and they like sing about the cool stuff they do it's also a fucking banger and they've released new songs as kda and they've brought in guests and the guests like you know like soloists right like you would on like a on on a hip-hop track and the soloists are other characters so like they brought in echo for one of those um, I think they brought in some other female champion that I can't remember. For me, that's fucking awesome. Because not only were they able to, like, I was just talking about, like, you know, usually these music videos don't really have a story. It's not, it's kind of, it's kind of outside that, that wheelhouse. But, like, they're, like, integrating the lore of their game into the music video that they are going, that they're making. And they're, like, expanding this sort of alternate universe thing and it's really like surprising how they were able to do that also i wanted to mention during world they were able to actually play like like uh superimpose 3d models onto the stage of worlds i I thought i think they did that like the year earlier um for uh dota's uh world championships like with the with the like the characters and stuff so like i think they did something similar with that but in worlds like the next year and it was like it was really cool because one, they got like, they got the reflections down really good. And I'm like, holy shit! But also, <laughs> it legitimately felt like you were watching a concert being performed by these animated characters live on stage. Obviously, it wasn't happening live to the people who were there, but to like the people who were watching it on stream or whatever. It was like it felt real. It was like really cool. Um, I would be remiss not to mention the original uh animated like live concert performers aka the gorillas oh i can't believe i haven't that's a good one i haven't mentioned that yeah i mean their whole shtick is that like they're a virtual band and they do follow a storyline like they and they've like grown up over the last like 20 years or so and people have like left the band and come in but um yeah i just wanted to throw that out there uh, but thank you all for listening to our, well, uh, well, actually, thank you for listening if you've listened for, since episode uh, zero for an entire year, folks. Thanks for sticking with us. Hopefully we've, <laughs> yeah, hopefully we've entertained you and uh, opened your eyes to all the deep facets of uh, <laughs> animation and anime, uh, basically whatever we talk about. But uh, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Hopefully, we will make uh, 44 more episodes in this next year. Crossing our fingers. (laughs) Uh, But this week's video that you can watch on YouTube 
is, of course, the Coldplay music video, Adventure of a Lifetime. Oh, my God. With I forgot the that dancing existed. monkeys. I forgot that existed. Holy shit. Yeah. We're going to unforget that immediately after this uh, episode because I'm going to sh- put it in the group chat we are all a part of. But I go check that out. It's completely out of nowhere. It's kind of like a fever dream. It's a great experience. But uh, once again, thank you so much for listening, everybody. And you will hear from us next week. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.